Hamilton Beach Brands sued Sunbeam Products for infringement of a patent on the company's slow cooker appliance. The Federal Circuit, though, in a two-to-one decision, affirmed the invalidation of Hamilton Beach's portable slow cooker under the on-sale or in-public-use bar. Finnegan partner Eric Rossiti joins us now to discuss the lessons in this case for companies using original equipment manufacturer or OEM suppliers under the old U.S. patent laws and also a potential wrinkle in the future under the new America Invents Act. Eric, could you start us off by explaining the decision in this case? The majority decision in this case really just restates the existing law that there is no so-called supplier exception to a prior art sale being prior art. So what do I mean by that? Well, a prior sale or offer for sale of subject matter claimed in a patent counts as prior art under the old U.S. patent law if that sale took place more than a year before the patent's filing date. The law also requires that whatever is offered for sale be ready for patenting, meaning that it's developed enough so that the patent application could be filed on the invention. The law doesn't care who makes the offer for sale. So the supplier exception says that even though the sale or offer for sale is from a contract manufacturer back to the patentee, their own technology, it still counts against the patentee. In other words, if an invention is far along enough where it can be ordered in quantity and the supplier who gets the order is well informed enough to fulfill the order, well then it's almost certainly ready for patenting. So under the old U.S. law, there was a one-year grace period after a prior art act, like these kinds of sales or offers for sale, in which to file a patent application. But under the new America Invents Act, which took effect March of this year, there's some question about how this is all going to work. Eric, how about an explanation of the difference between experimental versus on-sale bar? Experimental use, if successfully shown, is an exception to prior public use as a prior art act. So in other words, if you publicly use an invention... That's a prior art act. Now, under the old U.S. patent law, that public use had to be in in the United States. It couldn't be abroad. And it started a one-year grace period clock. And if the public use was outside the U.S., it didn't count at all. So the AIA changes a lot of this, but let's get back to experimental use. In a case where a public use or even a limited number of sales are made in order to determine whether a product works for its intended purposes, The inventor or owner keeps tight control over the invention for monitoring it to make sure it works, and there's some level of confidentiality, then the experimental use exception might apply. A good example is in medical technology. The patentee might not know if, say, an implant is ready for patenting until it's tested. But, of course, in order to test it, the implant has to be implanted, and the patient needs to be able to get on with his or her life. But you still want to see if the device is working, and only after the end of the test can you tell. So the point here is that the technology isn't really ready for patenting until it's known whether it has utility, that it works for its intended purpose. Now, the majority decision in the Hamilton Beach case doesn't impact experimental use, despite some fears that you might read in one judge's dissent. In this case, Hamilton Beach placed a purchase order with its contract manufacturer in China for a large number of slow cookers. And the contract manufacturer responded by saying, yeah, sure, we can fulfill this order. So this wasn't a discussion of a hypothetical sale that would take place sometime in the future when a prototype was tested and the test turned out positive. This was, here's what we want, can you do it? And the contract manufacturer responded with, yes, we can. At that point, you've got an offer for sale. Finally, Eric, what are the AIA implications that you mentioned earlier? The AIA, as enacted, has a new definition of prior art. 
and it makes the grace period much less attractive and by no means as absolute as it was under the old law. That's a topic for an entire different broadcast. We could fill an hour talking about it. But the relevant and interesting point here is that under the AIA's definition of prior art, it lists you know numerous categories of what is prior art. Most of it's not very surprising. Prior publications, prior uses, etc. But then it mentions on sale, but it doesn't specify whether that means a public sale or a confidential sale. Now, there's an argument that the Congress only intended to cover public acts, so any prior art sale should be public, but unfortunately, the wording of the statute isn't clear on that point. And if indeed confidential sales are prior art under the AIA, are confidential sales between unknown third parties also prior art? The statute doesn't say which parties need to be part of the offer for sale or the sale. So because Hamilton Beach basically echoes what was always true under U.S. law, and that is that an offer for sale, even if confidential, counts as prior art, this case raises the prospect and a reminder that if the law is construed by courts as meaning confidential sales count the way they did in Hamilton Beach, that the scope of prior art can indeed be a lot more dire and broad than most people are used to thinking of. So we'll have to wait for the courts to sort that out. But the takeaway for any company that's using contract manufacturers overseas is just not to consider them as part of your company. You know, a vast majority of U.S. companies use them, and it's tempting to think that because they're under agreement and they have duties of confidentiality that they're an extension of the company itself. It really does seem counterintuitive that a supplier that's asked to make a product on behalf of a company by accepting a purchase order can then be seen as a party creating prior art, but that's the law, and it has been for some time. So the AIA will likely make things a little bit harder by changing the grace period and really eliminating it for all intents and purposes. So now instead of having to file a patent application within one year, you basically have to have it on file before any of these offers for sale or sales take place. So the AIA also eliminates any geographical distinction, so prior art can arise anywhere in the world. It doesn't have to be in the U.S., the safest option is, of course, have all patent applications on file as soon as possible, but certainly before transmitting a purchase order to an OEM or a contract manufacturer. Our guest has been Eric Rossetti, partner at Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. For more commentary on intellectual property news and issues, to listen to other podcasts, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.